Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Good morning, Bridge family. I'm so excited to be sharing with you guys today. Um, And the first thing I have to share with you is, y'all, I love Christmas. Yes. Who's my Christmas lovers in the building? All right. Who's my Christmas movie lovers in the building? Yes. Yes. I love a good Christmas movie. Now, in our household, the Christmas movie watching starts in October. Like, I am, like, full-fledged. I am in. I got, like, the Walmart app. Not the Walmart. The Hallmark app. (laughs) The things that pop out of my mouth some days. So, yes, I have the Hallmark app, and I'm, like, checking them off as I go. And it is good stuff. But I also have to share with you a few things. Like, my family is fun. Like, we have a lot of fun together. Um, One of the things that we do, usually a couple of times a year, is we pull out are Hallmark bingo cards, <laughs> which means we get, we have like these little squares, bingo cards, and we're like right in like what we think is going to be in that movie. So we'll say we won't, we don't get to like look at like the, the description of the movie. We just have to go in and we have to be like, okay, I think guaranteed there is going to be a giant nutcracker. Like, so we always have to watch for the giant nutcrackers in the Hallmark movies. And then like, oh, it's like going to be flower on somebody's nose or they're going to like somebody's going to fall off a ladder or there is somebody who like spills coffee on another person. All of those things. They're all the classic Hallmark things. Okay. so but I also have to tell you, I've learned a little something in my lots of Hallmark movie watching Christmas movie watching. There's a hierarchy when it comes to like Christmas movies. Okay, so. First one, top tier is like the Hallmark movies and mysteries. They are like the tear jerkers. It's always about like something really moving, somebody like like getting new family or finding old family. And it's super great. I love them. They're super great. Then like below that is like the regular like Hallmark channel, like Hallmark movies. They're predictable. They're good. They're solid. Like five out of ten. But, you know, like, you know, they're good. Okay, then you have, like, Lifetime and Up. Like, they're, like, here, like, sometimes they have some, like, really weird, like, themes going on. Like, I watched one a couple of years ago because it was filmed um, in one of my really good friends, her, the town that she lives in. And it was about a nutcracker that came to life. So it was a little, little far-fetched, little far-fetched fetched there on the Lifetime movies. And then, y'all... <laughs> I don't care what your political leaning is. That great American family, they are the bottom tier. I, I kid you not, Gavin, throw it up here. This, this is the description that came with this movie. It was a hot cocoa Christmas. Family, business, and miscommunication complicate a budding romance between two peoples. Y'all, did they, did they forget to write a better description? Like, this is literally... Every movie on their channel. Like, it can be described in this one sentence. And I am like, somebody needs to work on their uh, their writing skills right there, okay? So, but the thing is about, like, Hallmark movies, they're all really predictable. Like, Christmas movies, they're predictable. And I have to tell you, 
they bring a lot of joy into my life, okay? It's because they have some things going for them. They're consistent. You always know what's going to happen in the end. There's never going to be some twist or turn, and all of a sudden, people aren't going to end up together. It's it's all going to work out. And that's really just all we want in life, right? We want, we want our life to be like a Hallmark movie, to be like peaceful and beautiful, and the snow to fall as you kiss your person in front of the tree lighting. That always happens on December 24th, because I don't know why you would do a tree lighting on December 24th, but that's always what they do. And I just think it's really funny. So they just bring a lot of joy in my life. So I have to tell you, joy is a huge part of my life probably because my mom named me Bethany Joy. So if she gets mad at me, it's Bethany Joy. But it's also, if she's like really excited about something, she's like, Bethany Joy, you would not even believe this. So joy is a big part of my life. So I have a definition for joy that we're going to talk about today. It says joy, a feeling of extreme gladness, delight, or exaltation of the spirit arising from a sense of well-being and satisfaction. Who's got that in their life? A little bit. I hope that we're all starting with a baseline of like joy is a fruit of the spirit. So you should be at least have a baseline of joy in your life. Okay. So if not, we're going to work on that today. So, um, but there are two different forms of joy that we're going to talk about today. Passive joy and active joy. So passive joy involves tranquility and a feeling of contentment as things as they are right now. And then active joy involves a desire to share one's feelings with others. So that's like, oh, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yes, thank you. Thank you for those people from the 80s Um, with me right there. So today we are going to continue our series talking about the characters of Christmas and two people who met joy in a real way um, and really went from that act passive joy to that active joy. So today we are going to start in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. So in the time of King Herod of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because a Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So, great start to the Christmas story. That's really where the Christmas story starts, right here. Um, Pastor Derek, last week, he talked about um, King Herod and King Herod's desire to control things. And things just spin, spun out of control for him. And now, like, we get to look at all the things leading up to that. So, we have this guy. Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth. The things that we first see is they are really devoted to God. They're not just like your average like people living their lives. They were actively participating in that relationship with God and they were doing their best. They were doing their best to live contented lives, to have joy, to be like we're in this situation and we're good with it. But they their hearts were not full. They didn't have kids. In this culture, like, having children was, like, the thing that made you a good person, essentially. You know, it was all about having kids, passing on your heritage, making sure that, you know, you were able to bless the following generations with, you know, your children. So 
they both came from priestly families. We see that um, in this description. So they had the family lineage, you know, coming down to them and where they were. And then they were just childless. And it was a struggle because, especially for women then, like, it was all about, like, how many kids you could have and all of these things. It was just really important for them to have children. And so here she was, like, this woman. And, you know, it doesn't say exactly how old she was, but she was older, older enough that people, like, noticed that she hadn't had children. And people, like, probably talked about it because there's a lot of gossip starting in this story. So they were doing their best. They were following God. The Bible even talks about them being blameless and righteous. They were following all the things that God had um, commanded of them, and they were living their lives full of contentment and tranquility, but they had no idea the joy that was about to get into their lives. So we need to know a few things. So if you have your Bible and you are looking at your Old Testament and the New Testament, they're a page in between, but in reality, it's like 400 years. It's called the silent age. And this time when God didn't speak, you know, in the big term, I'm sure he spoke to people's hearts like he does now. But, you know, there wasn't any prophets. There wasn't any, like, people who were out shouting, like, God tell, is telling us this. They didn't know that. And so it was called the silent time. And so here for 400 years, God had been super quiet and super silent. And all of a sudden, this is about to be broken. And so um, the prophets, they talk about how there was a child coming. There was a way that God was going to make a, a Messiah, the person who would come and save them from all of the craziness, from being under Roman rule and all of those things that they were a, had fear of. So Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So here, after all of these 400 years of silence, God is about to speak, and that's where we're dropping into the story right here. So, Zechariah Zach, was chosen to burn incense in the temple. Okay, so I have a picture just so you all can see, so you can understand, because I like visuals. Um, this is this is actually a picture of Solomon's temple. Derek said last week that um, Herod had built another temple. It's very close. So right here we have, like, the altars and all these things. And on the inside, we have what is called the holy place. And then way back, the, up those steps, is the holy of holies. So Zechariah is here. He is going, he is um, putting incense onto, like, what would be that altar right in the middle. And this is what happens. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah 
to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So there it is. It's been 500 years, four or 500 years, and God speaks for the first time to Israel. So I think Zechariah was maybe just a little bit mystified because this is how he responds to the angel. He said, "Uh, how can I be sure of this? So in my modern language, this is what I'm thinking he's saying. Dude, how is this going to happen? We are old. We have tried a really long time. We let that hope for children die. They had settled into their life. But the angel comes back to him and he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So here's Zechariah. He has lots to say, but he's not able to say it. He goes out. The people like are like really starting to worry. Like he's been in there a while. Should we be nervous? Like, did he have sin in his life and he fell down dead in the presence of the Lord? All those things. But he comes out and he's not able to speak. And the people are like, oh, my goodness, something amazing must have happened in there when he was in the presence of God. So the people are amazed. He finishes out his, like, they are on duty for so many months. And they, Zachariah goes back to his hometown. And soon Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And the Bible talks about how she remains in seclusion for five months. And I'm sure, like, her heart was, like, going a little bit pitter-patter. Like, is this really happening? Is this, is this really happening? And I just, I get really, really moved at verse 25. It says, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Like, she must have felt so many feelings going on. Like, I'm sure she was like, I'm sure she was excited. I'm sure she was fearful. I'm sure that she had lots of hope. But I bet in the end, like, by the time we're hitting, like, you know, month four, month five, like, I bet she is just glowing with joy and just, like, look what God has done. He has had favor on me. Like, this is, this is absolutely amazing. And I bet that she was just really, really excited. So, is there a hope in your heart that you think might be too big for God to deliver on. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Maybe it's time for you guys to start dusting off some of those dreams that are in your heart because God really wants to deliver them. He wants to fulfill those dreams. I don't know about you guys, but I have dreams in my own life that I have had tucked into my heart that I don't even sometimes let my own heart look at. Like these are things that are, I shove them so far down into my heart that I am like, I I can't even express these in words like out loud. Some days I can't express them in my own head because 
I feel like they are things that God has given me, but I have not seen fulfilled. But I want to tell you something that I was thinking about this week. A, a plant cannot grow without light. So if you have a dream in your heart, even if it's tiny, like it is time to like spread some light, like bring that out, dust it off, like bring it to God, say, God, here you are. Like, I have this dream. I feel that you've given it to me. Like, let's, let's start working on this. So we have to back up a little, well, back up. We're going to go out. We are like panning out. Um, just a second, because we need to, we need to get Elizabeth to the next spot. So we have to think, all right, here we go. Here is Angel, Angel Gabriel, Mary, the mother of Jesus. We have to get through this. It's, no, it's a good part, but we're going to talk about it more in a couple of weeks. But here is Gabriel. He comes to Mary. He says, all right, like, you know, you're going to have a baby. She's like, what? I'm a virgin. Now is that going to happen? Gabriel's like, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And then he tells her this. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has who was said to have been unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. That is something that maybe you need to write on your mirror. For no word from God will ever fail. I am going to fail every single day. One of my now favorite professors told us every class period that, and I had like multiple, multiple classes with this professor. She told us, you will fail. Then she would go out throughout the next part of this um, lesson. And then she'd be like, you will fail. You will fail. You're going to fail a lot. You're going to do stupid things in ministry. You are going to make somebody mad. You are going to, like, just do dumb things. You're going to fail. You, like, nobody's going to show up to an event you plan. All of these things, you're going to fail. And I remember thinking, you are the most encouraging professor on the planet. Right? And then I got into ministry, and I was like, she's right. Like, I fail all the time. It is like every day I feel like I did not do that well enough. I did not do that good enough. Like, I messed up. I made that person mad at me. Like, all of these things. But God. But God. His word is always true, and it will never, ever fail. So if God has spoken something into your heart, he is not. He, no, he is not going to let it not come about. No, he is going to bring it, bring it about. It may not be in our timing or even in a way that we were expecting, but he is still faithful to do it every single time. And there are moments that you feel like I'm a million of miles away from that thing that God had told me that had spoken to me. But he is still perfect. He can still make those things happen. All right. So back to Mary. She goes and she sees Elizabeth. She goes up into the hill country. And the moment that they see each other, John leaps in Elizabeth's womb. It says, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy is what Elizabeth told Mary. Now, I will tell you, 
in the Greek, now I'm not a Greek person. I, that, is, that was not my gifting. I was a miss, missions major, so they didn't, like, make us learn Greek and Hebrew. Probably should have done that, but it's all good. So there are two different words for joy in this passage. There is joy, and it's kara, joy. And it's used, like, 60 times throughout the New Testament. So it's, like, normal joy, like average joy. And then there's this other kind of joy that I'm not even going to attempt to try to, like, pronounce for you because it's all Greek to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for following. It's a wild joy, ecstatic delight, exultation, or exhilaration. So here in this, he leapt for joy in her womb. It wasn't like, oh, a little bit of joy. It was like, boom, like this, something is happening. And he was excited. It talks about, Gabriel says, that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I firmly believe that when he is jumping for joy, he's getting filled with the Holy Spirit right there in that moment. So John isn't excited just because he heard somebody's voice. I think even in the womb, John knew that he was meeting the Christ. He knew that it was so amazing for him to be able to meet and experience Jesus. So the question that I have then is, Are we excited? Are we that excited as we get to meet with Jesus? When we're opening up our Bible, are we like, oh, yes, I get to read my Bible today? Or is it like a chore? Are we rejoicing in the presence of God? Are we saying, God, you are so good. You have done all of these things and thanking him and praising him for it. So... Joy should be our first response when we get to, like, experience Jesus. So here, Zechariah and Elizabeth, their joy is really supposed to be moved from, like, average, passive joy to that super active joy. So they have the baby. Elizabeth says, hey, we're going to name him John. And the townspeople, gossiping, they come up and they say, well, um, why are you going to name him John? There's nobody in your name in your family named that. Why would you do that? So they're like, okay. She says, go and ask him. Like this is this is what we decided on. So they go to Zachariah and he takes out a tablet and he writes down his name is going to be John. And in that instantaneous moment, he is able to speak. And he doesn't say it doesn't it doesn't record everything that he says. But, like, I love how in the scripture it just goes from he was able to speak to a whole praise of God, talking about, God, you are so good. You have sent someone to redeem us. You have spoke to the prophets, and you're speaking to us now. And you have given us this child, and this child is going to do these amazing things, and he prophesies over John the things that he's going to do, how he's going to make the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. And I just think it's so, so cool. And the thing is, is John, here he was leaping in the womb, and then, you know, he comes out and he's born, and everyone is like, oh, this is so exciting. But his joy doesn't end there. The thing is, is he meets Jesus, he meets the Christ in the womb, and it affects his whole life. From there on out, he is set apart. He you know, chooses to go and live in the wilderness, and he speaks, 
And the thing that he continuously says, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom is near. Christ is coming. And I think that's so cool. It's like, Christ is coming. Prepare your hearts. And the thing is, like, that's, that's the same message that we get to share with other people today. Like, Christ is coming. He's coming for, you know, the second coming. He's coming back for the church. And we need to prepare our hearts for that. And I just think it's so cool. So our hearts should be filled with joy, knowing that Christ has come and that we need to prepare our hearts for him to come again. So we need to move from being content, having that gift of joy in our lives, to just having like crazy, active joy in our hearts. So, and just being filled with Jesus's joy. So how do we do that this season? I have three simple ways for you to have more joy in your life. Because I'm like that. I'm a Hallmark movie. <laughs> Woo, I'm also trying not to delete my, the rest of my message. That could be kind of bad. I just lost my mouse. Oh, there we go. There we go. So the first thing, read it. Spend some time this week reading the Christmas story. It always amazes me. Like when you can like just sit there and just take some time and soak in the Christmas story. It is amazing. Like God speaks so clearly and you get to see it and you get to experience it. Allow yourself to like sit and just enjoy it. Last week I was in the K5 room and I was talking to the kids and I was like, hey guys, like what's a way that we can spend some more time with Jesus this week? Because that's one of the questions I ask them almost every week. And I loved it because I was like, this girl like has my heart. She was like, I know what we can do. And I was like, yeah. She's like, we can drink hot cocoa and read the Bible. I was like, I love you. Like, yes, that is awesome. So, like, take some time this week. Sit down. Enjoy the Christmas story. Pour over it. You know, set a special time. Like, make it something special. Not just, like, you know, I'll get to read the Bible today. Like, enjoy it. Take it. Enjoy it. So, making it a special experience with your family. Like, gather them around the Christmas tree. Like, Make some cocoa, eat some cookies, spend some time in the Word. Just make it special. Second, watch it. If you are not a big reader, there's lots of options, okay? There's, like, the Chosen Christmas store special from last year was really good. Like, there was music. It was beautiful. Um, like, there's, like, the Nativity story. Or you could, like, sit with your family and watch, like, a VeggieTale Christmas. There's lots of options. There's lots of, there's the star. Like, just enjoy it. Like, don't make it serious. Make it fun. So, and there's lots and lots of other shows that you can watch it, um, the Nativity Story. So, play it and pray it. One of my favorite Christmas albums is Chris Tomlin's um, Adore. And it is, like, it's a beautiful mix of, like, Christmas and worship music. And I just love, like, usually, like, once or twice at Christmas, I sit down and I just, like, listen to the whole album because it is just one of my favorites. And this year I found Paul Balach. He also has a really good one that I've been really enjoying. But, like, that marriage of, like, worship and Christmas is, like, makes this Christmas um, happy heart. So, so then, like, spend some time in prayer and thanking God for sending Jesus and praying that he will fill our hearts with joy. So repenting from, like, 
focusing on all of the other distractions, all of the crazy things, the the busyness, and just saying, Jesus, like, this is the year that I just want to really focus on you and why you came. So in my office is a picture, and it's of Romans 12, 12. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Like, joy needs to be a part of our lives. And even in moments that feel really hard, we can still experience joy. Because that's, like, it's a gift that we have received from God, from the Holy Spirit, in our lives. So even if you are walking through a really tough circumstances, which a lot of you probably are, you can still have joy in that. I have a friend who had a baby in May, and he was born with Down syndrome. And I love every day his dad posts just an update of their day. And some days it's rough, and some days it's amazing. But I love how every day they end it with hashtag joy in the journey. Because even if you are in a really tough situation, like Jesus is there with you. He can fill your heart with joy. And when we see the amazing things that he does, like we can go on and do more. So this week, just take some time and fix your eyes on Jesus. Because that's really what it's all about. I know I'm ending a little early, but that's kind of par for the course for me. But I just want to pray over you guys. that this Christmas season, you will be able to experience joy in a fresh and a new way, and that you will move from having just really passive joy, where like joy is a part of your life, but then just really, really moving into that active joy of like being so full of the knowledge of God and his love for us and what he has brought to us, that that joy will just bubble over and you'll be like, able to share how great and amazing he is with other people. Heavenly Father, right now, I just thank you for who you are and all of the things that you have done. We just praise you right now for the joy that you bring into our hearts and our lives. I thank you that you are a God who loves us, who cares for us, who sent your only son to come to earth, to live, to die, and raise again and be able to save us for all of eternity. I thank you that you are just patient with us and you have bring us hope. I pray right now for everyone this week that we will just be able to experience your joy more, that we will just sense your wonder and the awe of Christmas this week. I pray that you will just continue to be with us this week. Help us to have a wonderful week and all of those things. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.